This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two underway. This is Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you. From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. With my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor in the other room. Flames with a huge 5-4 victory against the Anaheim Ducks last night. Keeping pace with the Jets. Who demolished the New Jersey Devils. Meaning things get real interesting again Wednesday when the Flames are in Winnipeg for that game against the Jets. But before we get there, the Flames with an important two points on the line Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks. And based on how last night's game went for the Calgary Flames, it presents an interesting question for the coaching staff. We'll need your help for the fan feedback line, 960-960. The text line always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Questions, comments, queries, whatever you have on your mind, you can send it to the text line at 960-960. Jacob Marstrom gets the start last night for the Calgary Flames. He allows two goals on nine shots. Subsequently, Dan Vladar enters the game in period number two. Dan does not exactly shine in period number two, replicating two goals on nine shots. While the Flames in front of him played better offensively, still trailed 4-3 heading into the final 20 minutes. Final 20 minutes for Dan Vladar, much better. Flames find a way to win. But now... You have a back-to-back situation coming up this week with travel mixed in and potentially the biggest game of your season on Wednesday. So the question for the fan feedback line, I'll ask my producers, Cam and Taylor, their thoughts on this as well. Where do you go in goal for the next two games if you're the Calgary Flames? I put it out on Twitter last night, and I had a couple people go back and forth on on some of their thoughts, but it's an interesting one now for the Flames. Do you trust Dan Vladar? Because you still need to pick up the two points Tuesday. There's no disagreement in that. Do you feel comfortable going to Dan Vladar Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks and leaving Jacob Markstrom rested and ready to go for Wednesday? Do you double up Markstrom in a back-to-back that isn't the toughest travel Calgary to Winnipeg, not the closest for the flames, but also far from being a long travel night for the flames. What's the thought process right now for flames fans? Who are you more comfortable in after some, let's say subpar goaltending the last couple of nights have led to the flames having to pick up comeback wins. Uh, Do the plans change for the flames? Here's what I think 
I'm I'm okay with Markstrom getting the start last night. I did think in Vancouver we started to see some of those signs of fatigue come through from Jacob. But I was fine with him getting the start last night. I think it makes sense, even though he didn't make it through the, the full game. And Daryl Sutter said it post-game. It was more about trying to spark the team than it was changing Jacob Markstrom out for Dan Fladar. I, I still think you go to Vladar on Tuesday. I think he's been the more consistent of the two goaltenders this year. I still think Dan Vladar, despite his struggles over the last month or so, still equals out to a above-average backup goaltender for this team. And I think at this point in the season, you have to let him... You have to let him show that he can be that guy. Because he has been at different points this year. It's never been perfect for either of the goaltenders. But there have been stretches where this team has had to lean on Dan Vladar more. And it's worked out for them. I, For me, I go Vladar Tuesday and I rest Jacob up for, for Wednesday. There's no doubt in my mind that Jacob gets the start in goal on on Wednesday. For me, that's that's non-negotiable. He's been the guy the last couple of weeks. I think this scenario gives him a chance to be even more well-rested, given the fact that he only played 20 minutes last night. I still have that faith in Dan Vladar to be the guy who can pick up that win against Chicago. And it's not up to it's not all up to him. If you listen, and I like this conversation that the guys had on the Flamestock post-game show last night, Derek, Pat, and Lou. Wherever you can get your podcast, follow them every Flames game. The guys break it down for you. Games like Tuesday shouldn't be decided by the goaltender anyways. If the rest of your team is better, and they should be, than Chicago, I won't say the goaltending should be irrelevant, but it should be essentially a wash. Chicago is a bad team. They've been a bad team all year long. They have sold off assets left and right. They are more hoping to lose games than they are to win games. At least the fan bases. You know the players are trying to win. But let's be honest, it's hard at this time of the year. I think you have to, have to, have to put your faith in Dan Vladar to be that guy, given how much Markstrom's played lately. And because I, I think you need to you need to have their best chance going forward to win that game in Winnipeg, and I think a rested Jacob Markstrom does that for you. And to my the last point that the guys talked about on Flamestock post game show last night, I, I still think Dan Vladar gives you every opportunity to win against Chicago. I don't think that the the analytics or the numbers, whatever you want to put out there, says that there's a major drop off in the Flames' chances to win against Chicago. If you put Markstrom, if you put Vladar in over Markstrom, that's me. Nine six zero nine six zero, fan feedback line always open to you. Taylor and Cam, outstanding production duo. We are known as the uh, Dan Vladar fan club here. From time to time, yes, we have. Uh, we are. Cam is not. No, that's he's, fair. Cam's he's been not. kicked out. No, Cam's not. Cam's uh, abrasive behavior 
often gets him kicked out of different group situations, but that's okay. So, so I'll rephrase it then. Some of us are known to to stand Dan Vladar. Big fans in this room. Taylor might have created a picture of him with a halo over his head that sits somewhere in the studio. You know what? I got to be honest. That was originally Carey Price, and it's been changed. It doesn't matter. To Dan it's Vladar. done now. Okay. It's done now. It exists. So we know that there's some bias in the room, but I'll start with Taylor, then I'll ask Cam. Who starts Tuesday for the Flames? I'm kind of in agreement with you there. You have to go Vladar. And it's nothing on Markstrom, but the Chicago Blackhawks have just kind of had his number this season. And, you know, it might be a little bit of a team thing, but the Chicago Blackhawks are just scoring like crazy on Markstrom. And you also need to give him a little rest because Wednesday's game against the Jets is such an important game for this team. So we, and we've seen him Markstrom be fatigued the past few games. And I think that he just needs that rest before taking on such a big game. Cam. I don't think there's a question. You go Vladar tomorrow. You go Markstrom against the Jets. And then I think you're playing Markstrom every other game after that until the end of the season or until they clinch or drop out. I think you play Vladar against the Hawks. You play Markstrom against the Jets. You got three days between Jets Canucks. And you're, I think you ride Markstrom until you clinch or you're out. I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, it's a rare opportunity where you might be able to get Markstrom that rest. And I think that that's important knowing how much he's played of late. And understanding the opponent, because I don't want to, the danger in all of this is overlooking Chicago, right? You can't, as much as we'd like to sit there and say that's two points on the table for the Calgary Flames, Anaheim's in the exact same boat that Chicago's in. And as Taylor said, Chicago's had some success against the Flames this year. For whatever reason, it'll make you pull your hair out, makes you go gray as a Flames fan. I get it. You would like to think that Tuesday's two points in the bank, but it's not. And it's not just the Flames playing down to opponents. It's Chicago coming in with nothing to lose. They have that sort of mentality of of playing the spoiler coming into Calgary. Right? That can be a dangerous thing for teams. The Flames should find a way to get two points. But I think overlooking it is an issue too. But I, I still don't think that putting Dan Vladar in minimizes it for Calgary. I still can't. I, this team is too veteran. They're playing too well right now for that to be a worry for me. I, I think you don't overthink it. I think it's as simple as as Vladar Tuesday, Markstrom Wednesday, but there is a subsection of people that think Jacob Markstrom should go in both games, given that it's a bit of reduced travel. It's not a long trip, like I said, to Winnipeg. He has been the better goalie of late. That's not true for the entire year, but certainly the last month or so, Jacob Markstrom has been the back to the clear number one for this team. And let's be honest, Dan was was okay last night. He wasn't great. Like I mentioned, the two for nine in the second period, two goals on nine shots. Okay, not all on him, but still not maybe the shutdown performance you would have loved for him coming into that game. Uh, here's what the text line says at 960-960. Uh, this text says, Go Vladar Tuesday. Markstrom's only focus should be on the Jets. 
Uh, Cody says, keep it simple. It's Vladar versus Chicago, Markstrom versus the Jets. Treat it like a true starter backup situation. I like that. And that's that's really the sentiment here. Uh, this one says, got to go Vladar tomorrow with an off day today. Get Marky mentally ready for that Winnipeg game. This one says, you got to get the rest in for Markstrom. He's been overworked. Needs the rest with this doubleheader coming up. And yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a discussion that I didn't think we were going to have heading into last night. And I don't know that it's changed any plans for the Flames. I really don't. Whether you penciled in Vladar for the Tuesday start anyways, given the fact they had the day off today, I don't think Vladar was overly worked in that game Sunday, whereas he'd be too fatigued to come in on the matchup Tuesday. So the text line's right about where I thought they would be. But I'm still interested to see how it works out for the Calgary Flames. Maybe they do change things up and surprise us. But I would expect that morning skate tomorrow, Dan Vladar, to be the guy in the starters net. But we have to wait and see. This coach is, is highly unpredictable when it comes to his starters usage. And given the fact that his starting goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, would want to play every single game. There is no doubt in my mind, knowing how competitive Jacob Markstrom is, and even though Daryl Sutter said, look, it wasn't about Markstrom for Vladar that I made the goaltending change. It was about getting everybody else back and awake in that game. Jacob Markstrom doesn't like to get pulled. He will not be happy that his last performance out involved him getting pulled in a big game where the Calgary Flames needed two points. Regardless of how it wound up last night, he's just not the kind of guy that's going to let that slide. So if you give him the opportunity, he will sit there and tell you, yes, I can play against Chicago, and yes, I can play against Winnipeg, and I'll give you the best chance to win. Luckily, I think you have, again, I still think of more than capable uh, I would say when he's on his game, an above-average backup goaltender in Dan Vladar. And yes, you have a Chicago team that is fighting for the bottom of the standings, not the top. Should be a pretty easy decision. We'll wait and see exactly what the Flames do Tuesday on morning skate game day against the Chicago Blackhawks. Let's flash you back to last night. Hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames following that victory against the Anaheim Ducks. It was a big one. It was a big two points for this group, uh, and some secondary scoring came in huge for them, including from this man, Milan Lucic, his snipe in the third period, tied the game up at four and helped them to that victory. He spoke to the media following the win against the Anaheim Ducks. Milan, for the second straight game, this group finds a way to come back and trailing after 40 and a back-and-forth affair. What's your biggest takeaway from this one tonight? Yeah. I think uh, we just stuck with it. Uh, we didn't get frustrated, and uh, uh, especially I thought in the third period we, you know, we went out there with the with the focus to to win the game. So uh, yeah, it was a good team effort. Obviously, uh, giving up eight goals in the last two games isn't really a positive, but. You know, we 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 got the win, and that's that's the biggest thing that matters. Can you take us through your goal because we can see not only what a nice shot that was, but the emotion that followed suit afterwards. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you want to contribute and you want to, you know, you know, help out uh, any way that you can, and you want to score big goals and in, in big moments, and 
you know, was able to do that and uh, to get it to 4-4 and then, you know, big face-off win and Stoney back in the lineup and, and lets his signature bomb go and, and uh, we get the win. So uh, all in all, uh, good job today by everyone uh, finishing off their chances. We go back a month ago and you guys were talking about feeling like a good team that just couldn't win games. Now in Vancouver, you get your first comeback win trailing after two. Now you get your longest win streak of the season. What does that do for the belief in the room? Yeah, it's huge, and I think you know being able to come back against a team like Vancouver, who's uh, probably one of the best teams right now. You know, that gave us some confidence to to out there, to go out there and do it again uh, here tonight. So uh, again, you know, uh, Winnipeg won, so we need to do our part. You know, five games left. Uh, you know, we're we're probably going to have to win win all of them, but you just got to take it one game at a time, and and uh, tonight. Uh, we get a big win to stay to stay in it. You mentioned what it means to contribute. No, <clears throat> the big moment. Like that was a pretty sweet snipe. Um, did it feel good coming off your stick? Uh, you know, it was just one of those ones. Uh, uh, Weeks did a good job blocking a shot, and uh, uh, it turns the other way. And Colsey does a good job finding me. And you know, I was just trying to, you know, move my feet. And and once I got my feet under me, just to uh, let it rip as hard as I can. And sometimes when you don't think and just shoot it hard. Uh, it, it finds those spots, so uh, so yeah, it, was, it, was, it felt good coming off my stick, and it was nice to see it going. Now, do you, do you find uh, your your team's response to stress has has changed over the past a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think just uh, just because of the situation that we're in. I mean, every game's a do or die, or like it feels like a game seven. So uh, everyone knows right now. There's no. There's no time for frustration or negative energy. It's just going out there and uh, playing the way that we can. Well, and Mike, Michael's game winner goes off the post and in. Does it seem like this year, all year long, it goes off the post and out? Yeah, and then, you know, I, I, was, I, I just said before I came to talk to you guys, I think all five goals today were, were, were snipes. So nice to see it go. What do we have, three or four posts and in today after, what, 80-plus posts and out? So... Good to see some bounces go our way. How would you describe this team's mindset over these last two games when it comes to trying to overcome a deficit compared to what it's been like for some of the other games this year where you've tried to overcome a deficit and it hasn't worked? I think the the mindset is just simplifying it and you know, winning shifts and, and winning periods and, and stuff like that. Obviously we not a good start coming out, uh, going down two nothing, but you know, we cut the lead in half with uh, winning the second period and then winning the third period. So, like I said, just simplifying it and uh, having that type of mindset. That is Flames forward Milan Lucic. Big goal for him last night. Ties the game up at three, helping the Flames to a big victory over the Anaheim Ducks. One more person to hear from post-game last night and wanted to share this chat uh, from the Flames Talk post-game show. It's assistant coach Ryan Huska who joins our uh, Flames radio crew of Pat Steinberg. Derek Wills. And Peter Labardius post game last night uh, for his thoughts on the win for the Flames, the four game winning streak, the back to back comeback wins. Great chat uh, with assistant coach Ryan Husk and the boys on the Flames radio team last night post game in the hot stove lounge. Huska, a couple of games ago, Jason Labarbera came in after a win and said, "Geez, we don't make it easy on ourselves." Yeah. Um, and 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 I guess that that could be true in this one tonight. But you find a way. What yeah. uh, would you like? And and I guess how do you evaluate this one? Didn't like the first period. I mean, that goes without saying. I would think we just didn't have uh, 
you know, a lot of jumper energy in our game, which is a little strange, you know, after um, the few games that we've had prior and, and with what's at stake. But um, I thought in the second period, our power play did a really good job of getting us going. And then um, we really took momentum or took the game away from them. But the hard part is we gave it right back. Uh, and those are situations that you you want to you want to end the game, and when you have a team that's out of the playoffs like Anaheim, um, on a back to back, you want to put them out of the game as quick as you can so they don't have an opportunity to hang around. Um, and we let them hang around tonight, and uh, as a result, it was much closer than we were hoping it would have been. Ryan, I thought one really important similarity, and obviously you came back from a deficit, but I loved your third periods both in Vancouver. And tonight, because I didn't think you gave up very much and never thought you got away from the process to keep pushing towards where you wanted to get to. Yeah, I would agree with you on that, Lou. I mean, we, I don't know, it seems like there's certain times of a game where we don't maybe, I don't know if it makes sense or not, but we don't feel like we have to win the game in one shift. Um, whether you want to call that... Um, playing to our game plan or, or being a little bit more patient with how we play everybody seems to be a little bit more in sync with what we're doing and, and when we do it the right way we don't give up much like you saw in the third period tonight and we were able to spend a lot of time in the offensive zone so finding that in sync um, part of our game sooner I think is important for us but being able to play that way um, you have to especially with the lead you got to learn how to play that way with your foot still on the gas but not putting yourself in a position where you may give um, up certain opportunities. Yeah, because one of the comments that I, I made tonight was that A, at times you've given up goals in short order after putting yourself in a better position yeah. and I guess what you know you were referring to, I think, is you don't have to get things back all at once, do you? No. And that's that's the thing. Like you see guys, and, and they have the right intention when you when you see guys trying to do a little bit too much in a shift where um, you just score a goal, the the player has the puck, he's moving up the ice, he tries to make a move at the blue line instead of making sure it goes in deep so we can maintain some momentum. But now there's a turnover and they end up coming back against us. So those are examples of it where sticking with it and, and making sure you're doing it for a full 60 minutes over and over and over again allows you to have success. It's not about, hey, I'm going to make a difference right now in this one shift, I'm going to change the whole game. Well, no, if if you have a 60-minute approach to it, eventually it's going to pay off. It might not be the person that was hoping it would be, um, but someone's going to get it. Like tonight, Michael Stone. I mean, if you keep doing it the right way, keep doing it the right way, eventually someone's going to get that opportunity where they can be the difference maker. I feel when I watch Boston... That's one thing that oh, they yeah. seem to be really, really good at. at. What did you think of Michael Stone in his first game back in 21? Um, you know, he's funny. I no, he misses 21 and he comes back kind of the same way as he always, always is. He's reliable. Um, we know what he has for a shot. So when we were talking about lineup decisions, that was one thing. We're like, listen, if he gets one or two shots from the top. Um, one may go in <laughs> and it happened to be a really important one tonight but um, you know with certain older players that they always whether they're injured or they're just not playing they do whatever they have to do to make sure they're ready to play so he went through a, a fairly lengthy period of recovery uh, and he skated he put the work in he made sure he was in shape and I thought him and Troy did a really good job tonight playing for us in that third pair.
with Ryan Huska, Flames assistant coach following tonight's 5-4 win over the Anaheim Ducks. And, and I want to ask you about the other guy on that pairing in, yeah. in Troy Stetcher. Had a couple of points in the comeback win over Vancouver. Gets the assist and, and looked all over it in this yeah. one. How are uh, how are you liking him over the last few games? I, I've really liked him. And it's, it's been every game for me. I, I mean, you, you see the competitiveness in his game. Um, he's very detailed with his approach. He's he's a lot for me like a Michael Backlund and how he approaches every game where uh, he's a pro and I think he understands where he's at and the type of game that he has to play and he's had to do that. He's another one of those guys that people probably wrote off at a younger age. Uh, too small, probably can't play. Um, and I think because of that, he's got a chip on his shoulder. But I, I think he's played really well. He's kept his game simple. He's played fast, uh, both with feet and with moving the puck. And he's chipped in some offense for us, which was something that we weren't expecting a ton of from him. But he's been a real big addition for our back end, I feel. And, and he's allowed us to play, um, you know, if you want to say um, three pairs a little bit more regularly. Um, I think that's a lot to do with him, for sure. It's funny, he uh, he joined us just before you came in, and he said that on the last homestead, he's like, no, I played like trash and, and did not. And I just, I, I thought it was interesting, because yeah. he, he clearly seemed like he seems like a really competitive yeah. guy, and a guy who, who takes the craft really, really seriously. Yeah, and you know, speaking of him still, like, there was one game here at home where we weren't happy with his game. He, I, you know, everybody, but... but it wasn't a horrible game. <laughs> and then there's other games where I thought he's played really well and, and he's had 14 minutes of ice time. And I've said to him afterwards, like, hey, i got to find a way to get you a little bit more time. And what you love about players that are all about team is he's like, don't worry about it. Um, I'm used to playing this amount of minutes. I'm totally good with it. I'm ready for whatever you guys need. And I love that about players. There's no... Um, um, selfishness to this guy's game. And I think that's what's allowed him to, to play in the NHL and to be a really good player. It looked like early in the game he was trying to repeat oh of that uh, quarterfinal goal that he set up at the <laughs> yeah. Worlds a couple of years ago. The old spin around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got the building and energized a little bit when he did that. But as he, he can make plays. He's, he's a good player, and we're seeing that from him right now. Probably not your call, um, but you did make some significant changes in the third with your groupings. What was kind of without, I know that's more Daryl than yeah. you, but what was the thought process there? Well, I think with the one, Walker was skating, and, and bumping him up was a, an opportunity for us to get maybe him in on the forward check a little bit quicker. So if he could stall or, or stop the puck in the offensive zone, uh, we felt once we were able to do that, we'd have some zone time. So it was about his speed and trying to create a little bit more energy. And, and it was the same with Dylan. It's just trying to move guys around a little bit to try to get a little bit more speed because we didn't have enough of it early on in the game. Last one for you. Ryan Huska, Flames assistant coach, following a 5-4 win over Anaheim. Uh, two more points for Tyler Toffoli. He's at 71. Everything he does now, career high, career best. And and not even just tonight, but uh, this, this push, four straight wins, where you are still fighting for your playoff lives. Where would you be this year without number 73? Oh, boy. I mean, when there's a few guys that you, you would look at as to being consistent and being there almost every night. For sure, you think of Michael Backlund, and obviously people think of Tyler. And um, what he's done this year is found a way to score the big goal. And there's been a lot of games where we've needed that from someone to step up. You, you think about some of our conversations earlier in the year, we're talking about one goal or one save. A lot of comments have been about that. And um, over the last little while, you feel like Tyler is always scoring the goal. And he's been excellent for us this year. Um, wherever he goes on the line, 
uh, lineup. There's chances that are coming, and he's a smart player. I think uh, Lou would know from right on from junior hockey on. He knows where to go in order to find open space, and he's a shooter. So when he gets that opportunity, he's able to score. But it's pretty cool that he's able to do it as he's aging. I love that when guys do that. But again, I'll go back to players taking care of themselves and understanding what they have to do to put them in a position to have success. And he's he falls in the lines of Stetcher and, and Backlund as well. Thank you, Husk. Okay, Thanks, thank Ryan. you, guys. There you go, Flames assistant coach Ryan Huska joined the guys on the Flames radio broadcast crew in the hot stove lounge last night following their victory against the Anaheim Ducks. Lots there with Ryan Huska. You can find uh, the Flames Talk postgame show wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, and those kind of exclusive interviews only with Pat Steinberg and Flames Talk here on Sportsnet 960. The fan uh, will go from the Flames playoff push to uh, a team that is in the playoffs and making their return to play off ice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Tonight, it's the Calgary Hitmen and the Red Deer Rebels. Game three of their best of seven series heads to Calgary. Tonight, we'll check in with Brad Curl, play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitmen, next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Puck is on the wall, lifted to the line. Yakimchuk holds it in, got it on down. Chigal, left circle. Here's McAdams to the slot. Uh, a shot, they score! David Adazinski has ended game two with a Calgary Hitman win, two to one. This series is tied, headed back to the Stampede City. Yes, you heard it right there from Brad Curl, the play by play voice of the Calgary Hitman. Sweet victory for the Calgary Hitmen, evening up their best of seven series with the Red Deer Rebels with an OT winner from David Adazinski. And tonight they are back on Scotiabank Saddle Dome Ice for game three. Playoff hockey is back at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And to help us take a look at tonight's matchup, no one we'd rather chat with than that play by play voice of the Calgary Hitmen. He is Brad Curl. He joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now uh, to get you set for the Hitman and the Red Deer Rebels. Curly, how are you this afternoon, pal? I'm terrific. Yourself, Logo? I'm doing great, pal. Really looking forward to uh, tonight's game. And uh, take us back to that Game 2 uh, winner from David Adazinski, the feeling uh, for the Hitman to grind out a win against this Red Deer team who has been so stingy defensively in these first two games and uh, an unsung hero like David to pick up the winner. It must have been a great feeling for the group. Yeah, it was remarkable. Uh, we'll just kind of set the stage for it first. You know, it's scoreless into the third period. Christopher Setoff scores on the rush for Red Deal uh, with about nine minutes to go, and all of a sudden the Rebels have the very important first goal in a game that didn't have a goal until the final ten minutes of regulation. And, you know, Calgary unable to find the tying goal until late in that third period. They like to push things to the final moments, if you will. This one gets into the final two minutes. They pull the goaltender. They get a shot on goal. Kyle Kelsey of the Rebels gets about 90% of it. It sneaks through. It's up for grabs behind him. It's a foot race to the, to the crease. Sean Chagall versus Riley Lindgren. Chagall's got a step on the Rebel defenseman, taps it in, tie game, and then you're off to overtime. And I was really interested to see how overtime would play out because this series has been so tight. I wondered, you know, would it be tighter as you get to overtime? But there was actually some good chances. There were combined 22 shots on goal in the extra session and the overtime winner for Calgary kind of came on the heels of a missed opportunity. They had the only power play of overtime, couldn't score on it. And you wondered, okay, would that be their 
opportunity to seal it and did it just pass by? Well, no, they stick with it. And as you heard on the call, Red Deer gets the puck to the blue line. Carter Yakimchuk reaches high, holds the puck in, gets it down the half boards to Shigal. He goes across the ice to the left circle to McAdams and then into the slot to David Adazinski. And a little bit of a story on this one. Not only does Adazinski score, Calgary comes off the bench to celebrate, but Red Deer's just cemented to the bench. And you're going, okay, there might be a challenge coming here. Maybe this is going to be challenged. Sure enough, Red Deer challenges the play for offside, going, hey, might as well take a look at it. Did Yakovchuk really keep the puck in or not? And then the linesman goes over to the scorer's table on the phone. You know exactly what's coming down. Linesman puts on his helmet. It's a point-to-center ice goal confirmed. So the Calgary Hitman, Logan, actually got to celebrate twice (laughs) on their overtime winner on Saturday. Was there a sense of relief you felt from the group, Brad, when Sean Chagall scored that goal late in the third period, uh, just given how game one had went and given how tight it was in game two up until that point as well? There's no question about it. You know, you look at, uh, you know, date back to the regular season, if you will, their previous meeting, uh, Calgary was shut out in that hockey game. So that goal from Sean Chagall with a minute 37 to go in game number two actually snapped a scoreless streak of over 178 minutes against the Red Deer Rebels. You know, it's not as though Red Deer's put Calgary in a straitjacket. It's just that they played extremely well defensively, and they've got great goaltending from Kyle Kelsey. So to see that one finally go in, there's no doubt uh, a sense of relief on the Calgary Hitman bench. You know, it's, it's been a tight series you know, all the way up and down. The goaltending has been excellent. We haven't seen a power play goal from either team yet. It's been physical. It's everything you would expect come playoff hockey where the margins are so small. So for Calgary to get that tying goal late in the third period, you knew that it was going to give them a shot of adrenaline going into overtime. Speaking of that adrenaline, Curly, how did you feel the guys handled their first playoff experience for so many uh, of these Calgary hitmen? We talked about it going into the playoffs. that This was going to be a new experience for so many of these guys. Red Deer's a great hockey town. I know they announced just over 5,000 people were there for game two. You knew they were going to come out and be loud, and we had our own contingent uh, of Hitman fans that made the trip up as well. But how did you feel the group as a whole handled their first playoff experience in these two games? Well, it was an interesting storyline heading in for sure because, as we know, COVID changed the WHL landscape, and Calgary lost two opportunities to get into the playoffs because of COVID. And then last year when the playoffs resumed in the WHL, the Hitman didn't qualify. They pushed it to the final moments of the regular season missed out so they're back in for the first time since 2019 and there's only three players on their roster that have playoff experience jacob wright who ironically hasn't played a game yet in this series you can't really lean on him in the room and then you got sean chagall and riley fiddler schultz so it was baptism by fire for a large contingent of that roster on friday in game number one and to be brutally honest with you i thought they looked nervous i thought they looked jittery in the first period of game number one. Red Deer, of course, was in the playoffs last year, a lot more playoff pedigree on their roster. And, you know, they kind of carried the play in, in period number one of game one, out shooting Calgary 18 to nine. But I think a lot of the hitmen maybe went into the dressing room after that first period and kind of look around and go, hey, what? You know what? I got my skates on. I got my shoulder pads on. I got my elbow pads on. This feels a lot like hockey to me. I know it's playoffs, but, you know, it's still a hockey game. And they mm-hmm. really settled down. And in the second period, they outshot Red Deer 12 to seven. And I thought they got their feet underneath them. So there's no question. I mean, the regular season has its pinnacle moments where there's important games, but nothing, absolutely nothing anywhere, anytime, 
compares to playoff hockey. And I know talking to the organization, whether it be the general manager, the head coaches, or the player themselves, they had so much desire to get to the postseason, to get that lap of experience, to see what it's like. It's tough on a franchise when you don't get a chance to play playoff hockey and you go in like the Hitman did, really wondering what it's all about. So the experiences they're getting along the way, priceless, especially for a young 17-year-old David Adazinski, the overtime hero in game number two. He's one of those young foundational pieces that are going to be around for a long time. Told me after the game it was the biggest goal of his life. Uh, you just can't replicate that in the regular season. The playoffs, by all means, a different animal. I love that it was David Adazinski. I would have loved that it was anybody, Curly, but I love that it was David Adazinski because, to me, he emulates so much of what this Hitman team is and that it's not always about being the superstar or having... And look, it's great to be Connor Bedard and, and to put up eight points in two playoff games. I, I don't doubt for a minute that's a lot of fun. But most people aren't Connor Bedard. And for this Hitman team, it's about hard work. It's about doing it as a team. It's about sacrificing. And David Adzinski is kind of the poster boy for that when you look at the Calgary Hitman and the role that he plays because he does do a little bit of everything for this Hitman team. He's not afraid to block shots, play physical, chip in on offense. It just felt like that was the kind of guy that we'd love to see score that goal for the Calgary Hitman because he is so much of what this group hopes to be when they're at their best. Yeah, there's no question about it. His identity bleeds playoff hockey, doesn't it? You talk about the shot blocks. He led the hockey club in block shots in the regular season. And to me, you know, just his, his, his whole mindset doesn't change regardless of the game. I remember there was a game on home ice. I think it may have been actually against the Red Deer Rebels in the last regular season game. And the game was out of hand. And he's still laying down on the ice. Or he got a four-goal lead in the third period. He's laying down on the ice to block shots there. He just doesn't change. His DNA plays the same way. And he's also a very nice piece of the puzzle that you can elevate in your lineup. And you can move him. He's played on the left wing this year. Lately, he's been more up the middle. Riley Fiddler-Schultz got shaken up in game number two. Couldn't finish. Um, didn't play a shift in the third period, nor in overtime. David Adazinski slides in there, and you look at the overtime winner, Carter McAdams, Sean Chagall, two pieces of the top line. Well, who fills in in the middle? David Adazinski produces the overtime winner. So you need those players that can kind of elevate and also fit the mindset of playoff hockey because goals are tougher to come by. And I know a lot of scorers over the years ago, well, I'm four games into a playoff series. I had 30 goals in the regular season. I have zero now, and they get down on themselves. Players like Adazinski understand it's not that easy in the playoffs. It's so much more difficult to score. And as a result, uh, it's nice to get to see guys like that get rewarded. One guy that's been pivotal to this push into the playoffs for the Calgary Hitman, Brad, has been goaltender Braden Peters. He played so tremendously well for this group down the stretch, and he's continued that strong play into the postseason. Now with a 1.77 goals against and a 940 save percentage through two games, uh, Interesting, we've talked about you know that transition to playoff hockey and feeling the, the pressure and the momentum that comes with these games. seems like Braden Peters has played pretty well transitioning into that style of play. Oh, he's been excellent. Absolutely excellent. I know he got beat for three goals in game number one, but two of them were fortuitous bounces for Red Deer. Uh, Hitman player on the second one was trying to clear the puck. It went off a rebel stick and ricocheted back in the net. And, and the third one was Peters had made a couple of saves down and around his goal mouth. A Calgary clear goes up the middle. They don't get it out. And a Red Deer Rebel, Frantisek Formanek, skates into a loose puck in the high slot, and he fires a slap shot into the back of the cage. So he has been 
as you would expect, um, to be excellent in the net. Um, you didn't know, as mentioned, you know, as you talked about going into the playoffs, how it would affect him, but he looks completely composed, completely dialed in. As we know, it's in his DNA to never quit on pucks. Uh, he's just been terrific. And at the other end, Kyle Kelsey, I think, has, has, has made it one of those where if you look down at the other end of the rink and you've got a goalie like Kelsey who's making save after save after save, you want to equal that, and it challenges you, and it inspires you. And, and I know that, you know, Braden talks about you, you want to do it for the players in front of him. When you've got players like David Adazinski laying down and blocking shots, and by all means, it's not just Adazinski. There's been so many hitmen who have blocked shots in this series. You kind of want to make sure that, hey, when a puck gets to you, um, you reward your team. Uh, they're laying it down for you. So Peters has been, he's been terrific. Um, it's great to see, especially his story, you know, 20 years old, final season in the WHL, hey, he gets a chance to play in the playoffs. And it's the same for, for um, you know, the other players on that roster. But the other two 20-year-olds in the roster, um, Riley Fiddler-Schultz and Jacob Wright, had played playoff hockey before. Peters had never been there. So it's nice for him to get his opportunity, his time in the sun, so to speak. And he has been nothing short of spectacular for Calgary. Brad Kroll along with us, the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitman. He will be on the call tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome as we head to the Dome for games 3 and 4 of this best-of-seven series, Hitman and the Rebels. Let's talk about that for a second, Curly. You mentioned it uh, a bit before, and it's something we've talked about for a while now. The way COVID went, the way last season went, um, it's been a long time out for the Hitman when it comes to playing playoff games here at the Saddle Dome. And tonight that'll change, and that's got to be exciting for this group for so many different reasons, but just this is where this organization expects itself to be. I know when you talk to uh, anybody up and down the the organization from the players to the GM to the head coach, this is what Calgary Hitman Hockey is supposed to be. It's about being a a playoff contender and making noise at this time of the year. And for them to be back there, going to be in front of a great crowd tonight, I know it's going to mean so much to the team and the organization. Yeah, there's no question about it. I know it stung last year when they – looked like they were going to get in and they were kind of in a three-horse race um, and they just fell short. And I know that left a bitter taste uh, throughout the lineup because they, you know, had COVID had taken away their two previous opportunities. And, and the first year that COVID stepped in, as you know, uh, they had a team that was riddled and ready to run and it looked like it was poised to go for a deep playoff run. So that one really stung. So for them to get back this year, it was an opportunity they don't want to miss out on. And I know going into this series, they went in as heavy underdogs. Let's not be um, you know nope. timid about that. Red Deer, 22 points better than the Calgary Hitmen. So as we talked about when the series began, give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance in this series. Get into the series. Hopefully make it a series and see what happens. And that's exactly what happened. They get the split in Red Deer, coming back home. As you mentioned, they'll be all excited to play at Scotiabank Saddle Dome here for for game number three tonight, and then, of course, game number four on Wednesday. We do know there will be a game five up in Red Deer on Friday, and should that series go beyond, then all of a sudden Sunday back in Calgary. So you've got three of potentially the next four games of this series on your home ice at Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Well, let's uh, hope that the the city uh, rallies behind this young group. It's been terrific hockey. It's been Boy, it's been everything you could imagine and more. It's been physical. It's been intense. We've had two, um, you know, real changing moments in, in, in games where, um, you know, in game number one, uh, you know, the Calgary Hitman challenged an offside for Red Deer. 
and and they won it. And then, um, um, pardon me, um, and then in the last game here, we got overtime. So it's just been, and there was a fight in game number two as well. The players are laying it on the line. It's been terrific to watch. And every fan I spoke to in game number two said to me, wow, I can't, my heart is, is beating through my <laughs> chest. My fans, my hands are sweating. This is, this is crazy. So it just pulled you right in. It's been spectacular. A couple of storylines heading into tonight that are interesting, Curly, including the Calgary Hitmen getting a boost in their lineup with two players. Uh, it's an unusual situation, but it might work out well for them heading into Game 3. Keegan Slaney missed the last three games for a charging minor that he took in Edmonton uh, back on March 27th, and Maxime Moranoff received a one-game suspension for a slew foot double minor in Game 1. A rare situation here where not injury-related, but you know, just from different circumstances, the Calgary Hitmen will actually get two regulars back in their lineup for Game 3 and be in a little bit more of a position to keep up with a deep Red Deer team. <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre that you, you have that kind of a storyline available to you. But we'll start with Keegan Slaney. The Airdrie product came over in a trade with the Edmonton Oil Kings a couple of years ago. He's just, you know, he's, he bleeds kind of Hitman hockey. He's an alternate captain, so it shows his leadership off the ice. And he uh, kind of built for playoff hockey as well in the sense that there's not a battle anywhere on the ice Slaney doesn't want to be a part of. Does he go beyond the rules a little bit sometimes and get in trouble in in the WHL office, yeah, as evidenced by his recent <laughs> three-game suspension. But he'll also pull him and his teammates into the fire. So I think it's been great for Slaney to watch the first two games and really get an understanding of, of, of how this series is being officiated and, and what's fair and, and what gets you into trouble. You know, there has been power plays in this game, so you got a real good sense of it. For Maxime Moranoff, um, you know, he has been – a real nice story for the Calgary Hitmen as well. They have the number one ranked penalty kill in the WHL in the regular season. They haven't given up a goal yet to Red Deer on 10 chances and Moranoff, all parts of that penalty killing unit. And you need players to slot in and, and be aggressive in a playoff series. And Moranoff is that. Uh, he has been very aggressive. Obviously, uh, the double minor for slew footing would indicate step beyond the rules there. And he served his discipline and now he gets a chance to get back into the lineup. And Riley Fiddler-Schultz, we don't know his status going into tonight's game. So if he's not available for Calgary, they'll need that extra depth up front, and Moranoff will bring that to the table. On the Red Deer side, um, they don't have Craig Armstrong. He got a two-game suspension for a slew-foot double minor in game number one. So he'll set the second one tonight. We still haven't seen Red Deer's 50-goal sniper Ben King from last year. Um, didn't have 50 this year, but had 50 goals last year. He missed the first two games of this series. So both teams are... Looking at their lineups going, oh, it'd be nice to have some extra people here or there, but you got to play the cards you're dealt. And for Calgary to get Slaney back tonight and Moranoff back, uh, that's a little bit more jam that you'll have in your dressing room, especially for Slaney, Slaney who will make his playoff debut. How impressed have you been with the penalty kill's ability to transition from the regular season into the postseason, Curly? Because uh, we've talked about it all year long. It's been a storyline for this Hitman team, the penalty kill. If it wasn't uh, at the top of the WHL standings, it was near the top, and they finished uh, at the top with a great season. They've gone 10 for 10 so far uh, in the killing Red Deer penalties, or Red Deer power plays off, excuse me. Uh, that's a major factor for this team. This team can't bleed a whole lot of offensive opportunities given them to the other team, and to continue that from the regular season to the postseason has been a real strong suit of theirs so far. Yeah, I've been very impressed with the penalty kill, especially because you don't get the freebies this time of year. You know, teams that make the playoffs generally get there because they get a good power play. You're not going to get one that's, 
you know, the, the league's worst power play, so it's easier to kill against. No, you get a real good power play on the other side. Red Deer's P, our power play in the, in the regular season, was sixth best at 27.1%. And it was one of the stories we talked about, Logan, coming into this series, where, you know, Red Deer was kind of the anomaly. Calgary had that great penalty kill in the regular season, number one in the league that you speak to, but Red Deer still had a boatload of success. They were actually better against the Hitmen than they were against the rest of the league. They were nearly 29%. So for Calgary to go 10 for 10, um, really, really, to me, has, has shone the light as to how good this group is. And the interesting part of it as well, this kind of puts your hand behind your back, is Calgary wasn't very good in the faceoff circle in game one. I just think it was like 33%. A little bit better in game two, but still well under 50% in the series. So generally, the Hitman power penalty kill of the regular season, Fiddler Schultz wins the draw, Galloway or one of the other veteran defensemen get the puck down the ice, and all of a sudden, 20 seconds is gone. Well, so many times to start this series, Red Deer has won that first faceoff. So they've had immediate zone time, and they've been able to move it around. And, boy, they've got a real good power play in Red Deer for sure. So it's been, it's been a magnificent story for Calgary, their ability to transition this number one ranked penalty kill into the playoffs and look just as good. Curly, uh, a key heading into tonight's game in your mind if the Hitman won and walked out of Game 3 with a 2-1 series lead? Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, sometimes when the building changes and you get home, maybe you get a little bit too uh, flashy and maybe you get a little too excited. Calgary, they know how to beat Red Deer. You know, they did it in game number two. Um, so they've proven, you know, to themselves that they, they can play playoff hockey. Is it an automatic they're going to win another game of this series? No, nothing's for granted. But I will tell you this. They stay within themselves and play the way they're capable of. You know, and, and play like it's your last shift. That's the way that they've been playing this whole series. It's been desperate. They've been willing to, to do everything that it takes. Give yourself a chance to win. Um, this Red Deer Rebels team, uh, I'll be interested to see how they respond. That's going to be a real gut punch for them when you're seemingly on the verge of a 2 nothing series lead and then you give up the tying goal in the final two minutes of Game 2 and then lose in overtime. That's, you're just kind of going, oh, so close, so close, and not to be. So, I look for Red Deer to have a tremendous response here tonight. We'll see how the Calgary Hitmen adjust to home dice. Truly appreciate the time as always, pal. We'll look forward to your call tonight right here on Sportsnet 960. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, hey? You betcha. Can't wait. See you at the rink. Take care. Brad Curl, the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitmen, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Getting you set for Game 3, Calgary Hitmen on your radio tonight against the Red Deer Rebels. 6 o'clock, Hitmen warm-up with myself. I'll give you... Everything you need to know ahead of the matchup tonight at 7 o'clock. And then, yes, if you're not doing anything, you're looking to get a, a head start on some playoff hockey. We've got Wranglers playoffs coming your way in a couple mo- uh, weeks. Maybe some Flames playoffs. Want to get a head start? Uh, HitmanHockey.com. Tickets still available for tonight's playoff matchup between the Hitman and the Red Deer Rebels. This series tied at one game apiece. we got to get out of here. Uh, hockey PDO cast is coming up next with Dmitry Filipovich. Thank you to Kevin Westgarth, Brad Curl, and Pete Labardius for joining us on the program today. And thank you for listening. A reminder, you can get the show wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. They're up moments after every hour ends here on Sportsnet 960. We'll take a break. Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich is next. Followed by Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and then Calgary Hitman and the Red Deer Rebels a little bit later on tonight. Right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.